0: PlushCare.com slash weight loss. All right, it's not working. It's just not. We need E3 to be back. That's my conclusion from this uh, first. Uh, trial of a non-E3 June season, and I don't think it's working. I'm going to tell you a little bit more in the show, along with impressions on uh, new info we got on Avengers, Cyberpunk 2077, Pokemon Unite, which was a surprise, EA Play, PC Gaming Show, a bunch of other things, and my 100, 200, 120, 1000% spoiler-free impressions on uh, The Last of Us Part 2, which I just finished and I have thoughts on. I I might do a special episode, uh, spoiler-free and spoiler-full, at some point, probably next week, but for now, just impressions that are guaranteed to spoil absolutely nothing. Even so, I'll leave it towards the end for those who do not want to uh, hear anything about the game, which I was uh, like that, and uh, I completely avoided everything until now, which is having me wake up to a clustered truck of <laughs> uh, stuff, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But first, uh, hi, hello, I'm Patrick Beja, and this is Pixels, and we talk about video games and the news from the industry, and we try to comment, analyze, understand, and hopefully have a good time doing all of this. So, welcome to the show, and as I mentioned just a second ago, it's a lot of stuff. So, I'll talk about um, Cyberpunk, Marvel, Marvel's Avengers, a bunch of other things, but first, um, I really think that this No E3 summer season is not working out. I mean, obviously, it's not a complete waste, it's not a total uh, loss, But the hype of this one week full of events that kind of echo uh, buzz from one to another is not there. And there are a bunch of big presentations. Certainly, they haven't gone unnoticed. Um, Sorry for the noise as I move the microphone. They haven't gone unnoticed. It's not like no one's talking about games this summer. But I really feel like it's not as exciting as it has been in previous years. Mostly, it's not necessarily just about E3 itself. It's just that it's too spread out and it kind of dies down. The the hype dies down, comes back up, flares back up a little bit and then dies down again. Um, it, It feels like the entire industry is benefiting from that E3 uh uh, hotness of every everything happening at the same time it's at least that's how it feels to be um from the outside maybe that uh companies and publishers are seeing engagement numbers that are telling them it's working out just fine um it is very possible it seems to me like that the the, the, the feedback I'm getting from everyone, uh, at least in the core gaming community, is that uh, it's more exciting. It's not about better or worse. It's more exciting um, when there is a common time to for everyone to get excited together. And um, I'm sure that for a couple of them, you know, Sony, Microsoft, everyone's going to be paying attention to them anyway, no matter what happens. But... It feels like companies like uh, EA or maybe Ubisoft, we'll see, but it happens, uh, Ubisoft's conference is in a couple of weeks on uh, June 12 or 14, 12, I think. Um, Maybe that's going to work out for them better, but anyway. So we'll see. My suspicion and maybe hope is that next week, next year, um, there will be something to tighten the whole process. Maybe some kind of e3 with online presence maybe this is the the esa's chance to do something out of it um maybe it's going to be something completely different and it's just going to be the companies that decide all right let's just federate together and make everything happen around the same time um, and m- maybe it won't happen of course but i think it would benefit the entire event Um, to happen like this. And I think it will. So we shall see. All right. So let's talk about the presentations in no particular order. Let's start with the most recent one, uh, Cyberpunk 2077 had yet... Oh, well, first of all, it's uh, delayed again, which I didn't think was going to happen. Um, so that shows you, you shouldn't listen to me. But it's delayed to November 19, So a couple of months, a couple of extra months, which hopefully means that it will be very polished or at least not broken. Um, it seems like they've been working on it for so long but it's also such a complex game from what we're seeing that um it not broken is probably the 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 bar that we can hope it to clear but uh there was a direct i guess it's the generic term for this a presentation um called Night City Wire, which is going to be happening every few weeks, it seems. Uh, This was episode one, and they showed a couple of things from the game. A uh, mechanic which is called Braindance, which um, essentially lets you live through the actions of someone else through nano connection to your brain um this is a concept you know live through something a scene that someone else has done and explore it at will is something that that has happened before in other video games but it fits so well the cyberpunk um culture system um the cyberpunk universe that it's interesting to see them i can't i'm I'm not happy with the placement of this mic, um, it, that it seems, it, it fits a lot better. It really is seamless. And uh, so you can see a scene through their eyes and then kind of get outside of them and explore places that they weren't looking at. And you have 3D control over like a, your a third person, uh, you're in third person view kind of. So um, it's, it seems interesting to me because it shows that it's not just going to be, you know, combat, uh, and dialogue as the main or stealth combat dialogue exploration. There is going to be other things in the game and that shows how complex and how big the game is going to be. It looks, it still looks incredible. I mean, I'm sure the things we've seen were the best, uh, the most powerful PC they can together which is how these things always work but man it looks good it looks like a really good game um i'm not personally a huge witcher fan so it's not something that is um super like i don't have this excitement built in but i'm very curious to check it out so i'll definitely be playing it when it comes out on november 17 and then in 2022 um, there's a an anime series by Studio Trigger, which is a well-known studio, an anime series coming to Netflix called Cyberpunk Edgerunners, and um, it's interesting because it seems that would reignite interest in the game a, a couple of years after it's come out, or maybe a year and a half, and in it, I'm sure CD Projekt Red expects it to um, get a lot of copies sold again, just like The Witcher series has reignited interest in uh, The Witcher 3. Obviously, an anime series won't have the same broad appeal that um, a-, a live series has, but it's not like there are, you know, only three fans of anime in the world. So this is pretty cool. I will, uh, I'm definitely excited for a cyberpunk anime done in collaboration with a CD project that could integrate in the universe of uh, the game. And that's another thing which I wanted to mention. They've been very clear that everything we've seen, it seems so far, but certainly in this current last latest presentation and trailer, everything we've seen is only in the intro of the game. So as large and complex as it seems and it seems like a lot is happening um this is only the intro of the game and cd project red games are usually quite long so there's a lot to it it you know game of the year contender um it's probably one of the strongest contenders um period even though we haven't seen it so yeah cyberpunk looks cool Marvel's Avengers War Table happened a couple of days ago and um, there was a bunch of interesting things in there. It was essentially another presentation of the game, which I think didn't completely explain everything about the game or everything we wanted to know about the game, but certainly has, uh, uh, but certainly dive dove into... Uh, a little bit more of the mechanics and the UI and uh, the systems than they had before. So I, the thing I'll say, I don't think anyone who had uh, set their mind about this game before and the kind of lackluster impressions it gave in previous presentations, I don't think this presentation will have changed their minds. I've seen a lot of comments about the poor quality of the graphics Which I tend to agree with. Um, It's not like it's PS3 graphics, but it's PS4 not pushing the system to the limits, especially since we are now seeing the latest, uh, the late console lifecycle games uh, from first parties and they're incredible Uh, This certainly looks like mid-cycle level of performance, but it's also not a single-player narrative experience where you can just easily control everything that's on screen and push the details because you put less stuff on screen. It's uh, a, a lot of stuff happening, many, many enemies, lots of effects, multiplayer, that kind of thing. So it doesn't bother me too much. One thing which I appreciate is how deep they're going into the connection with Marvel. Um they presented one of the main bad guys which is MODOK and for those who know what MODOK is it's essentially a giant head on a levitating seat and um it it's not something that you do if you don't want to take risks with bringing core Marvel properties to the forefront and maybe get uh, a non-marvel fans to you know scratch their heads a little bit it is weird so i kind of appreciated how um brave in a sense they're being with this uh, i also liked how close to the comics they're going with the uh costumes there are some costumes that if you're a Marvel fan, you're definitely going to go, oh, they have the bleeding edge armor and oh, they have a thing and oh, you know, it's... it's. And that actually leads me to another point I've been making about this game, I think, and about Jedi uh, Fallen, Fallen Order, um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is a, an average game can be significantly... Uh, more enjoyable if you enjoy the property it's based on. Uh, What I've been saying everywhere is uh, Fallen Order was a fun game, but no one would have talked about it if it wasn't set in the Star Wars universe. It was, you know, good enough, but it was nothing to write home about. And because it was in Star Wars, it was made so much more enjoyable, which is fine. It's not like... um, the game it it, like it's a bad thing that we like it because it's it's star wars of course um and i think in this case it's a it might be a similar relationship that i have to the game even if the game is not uh earning its enjoyment in earnest because of the gameplay um it it can earn some of its enjoyment because you're playing as thor or uh, as iron man or whoever else or Kamala Khan. And that is perfectly valid. So I don't need the game to be the most incredible game ever. I just need it to be competent and offer a few dozen, a couple of dozen hours of fun and layer on top of that, the fun of having it be a Marvel property with beloved Marvel characters. And that I think would be, would be fine. Now, of course... it needs to clear a certain bar in gameplay fun. It can't just be garbage, obviously. And uh, on that front, uh, Jedi Fallen Order was pretty good. It was, you know, an interesting uh, series of choices, some a little bit disappointing, but some really uh, interesting. And overall, the game was just good enough that you would enjoy it more if you had Star Wars fandom in you. In this case, um, it has to clear that bar as well. And I think the potential is certainly there. If you have a mildly competent Diablo-like system of gameplay that is super compelling per character, so think of it as classes in Diablo or, or WoW or that kind of thing, where there is one element of the gameplay loop which is super specific to the character that you really enjoy um and you can find the fun in that archetype and just find different kinds of fun in different archetypes um it would be it could be a really successful thing in the context of what i was saying earlier so um I think there's potential for this game and I'm hopeful, uh, hopeful to see more, even though it's not necessarily going to be the best game you've ever played. And again, I think that's okay. Um, a little bit of Nintendo news. We had the presentation of a new Pokemon game on mobile, which is a MOBA. And that's kind of weird. Right? A Pokemon mobile, on, a MOBA on mobile? Um, I guess why not? Is Oh, I say on mobile. It's also going to be coming to Switch. So that's worth noting. But it's just weird to hear. Pokemon based MOBA, it takes liberties with the MOBA genre, as you can imagine, to make it more Pokemon audience friendly. But um, it's certainly a, a, an unexpected, I will say, idea. It's developed by Tencent, so a uh, Chinese company that knows its way around the mobile market. Um, There's some interesting stuff happening there. But uh, yeah, there there isn't a huge amount to say. It's just a, an unexpected. Uh, thing. And it's also a a little bit unexpected in the sense that um, Nintendo seems to be stepping back from mobile games development. Uh, The Switch has been so successful and the mobile games have been so not so successful for them that they seem to be stepping back. I'm sure they're not completely abandoning it, or I would be surprised if they were, But um, they're focusing on the Switch, which, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Um, What this kind of tells me a little bit is the transition of core games from um, the, the console and PC to the mobile platform has not succeeded. I don't think I've seen a single game that is successfully doing that jump and Nintendo was kind of one of the last great hopes of that being possible getting mobile games to be attractive to traditional gamers Um, there are still things happening obviously one of them is uh, Diablo Immortal and the efforts that Blizzard seems to be putting into uh, developing for mobile We'll see if it actually works out. Uh, That definitely remains to be seen, but they seem to be going at it with a lot of strength. So my point is that there's still at least one company trying to do it, but every other company seems to have abandoned the idea. Uh, Of course, many of them do develop mobile-focused games, um, and that is fine, but they're usually two separate, um, you know, a little bit porous, but somewhat separate segments of the gaming population. Core gamers, it seems, often don't play a lot of mobile games, and I'm sure, you know, a few of you are going to tell me, oh, but I do. Yeah, sure, I agree. But um, overall, you don't see the same passion and dedication of core gamers uh, for their mobile games. It's something that they just play here and there when they have time to to waste and vice versa the mobile gamers seem to be dedicated on their uh, platform and the games that are more traditional pc and uh, console games are not um, their cup of tea so that's something interesting, I think, to, to note as Nintendo is retiring from, or well, not retiring. There are rumors that they are considering uh, stepping back from mobile to an extent. Uh, and as I say this, there was the presentation of uh, Pokemon Smile and Poke- Pokemon Cafe Mix uh, last week. So a flurry of Pokemon games. I think the MOBA is coming out in a month. Let me check that. Uh, mm -hmm. i don't see a date here all right maybe i'm sure we have a date but uh no release date was announced all right so it wasn't uh announced the date wasn't announced but um yeah there's a bunch of mobile games uh smile and cafe Makes are out now Uh, pokemon smile is helping your kids brush their teeth which, as the parent of a two-and-a-half-year-old, can absolutely appreciate. He is a little bit young to use that still, but uh, getting kids to brush their teeth, man, it's, it's a battle. So any help you have there is appreciated. Uh, and also, it will turn those kids into lifelong Pokemon fans. So <laughs> win-win on uh, Nintendo's part. Um, I also want to say a word. Well... A couple of words about Paper Mario, but one word about Super Super Smash Brothers. uh, New characters on Super Smash. Awesome. I don't play it, but people are happy. Um, But on Paper Mario, there was a presentation, just a short trailer of the Origami Kings uh, systems. And one of them is the ring battle system. Well, the the battle system is called ring battle, where you have to um, orient and move elements of a ring around your character when you enter into a battle to create lines and combos of enemies uh, to line them up. And I just thought it was such an original System. It was really interesting to see a combat system that is not action-oriented and that isn't uh, turn-by-turn or real-time strategy or anything like that. It is completely, completely different from anything I've seen. Um, I'm wondering if it was in the previous Paper Marios or in another game that I might not be aware of. But um, this kind of got me interested a little bit more in the game just because it's it's so... um, Uh, different. So that was kind of cool. And that's it for the news from Nintendo. Now let's go over what happened at EA's Play Live. And uh, honestly, a few things. The most exciting obviously was Star Wars Squadrons, which was teased a few days before and that uh, Garrett kind of uh, was calling for last week or last episode um when we didn't know anything about it and it it was like the next day that uh, star wars squadron squadrons was teased so what this is if you don't know is a five on five dogfight star wars game so you play in the star wars universe you um have a TIE fighter and an X-wing and a bunch of other ships and it's PVP, five on five. There is a single player experience. It seems likely that this will be a uh, three or four hours uh, uh, experience and uh, it will teach you the basics of the game, but uh, it's there if you want to. And the game will be 40 bucks. So it is a low priced game. And the thing that I think a lot of people don't note is that there will be no in-game in-game additional content that you pay for or that you don't pay for. There's no way to buy anything in the game. It is the game as is. It's 40 bucks. You get everything and there won't ever be anything else for it, which... I think it's interesting because a lot of people have been asking for that kind of thing and have been saying, we just want the full game, we pay for it and we have everything and that's it. But a game like this, feels like it would be so limited if it's not a game as a service in some way. You're going to get your, whatever, five ships that you can choose from and you're going to play it for a few hours, maybe a little bit longer, and then it's going to die off right it's not and maybe that's fine maybe that's completely fine but especially in a world where we have so many live games and so many things vying for your attention i guess it will be interesting to see what happens to it and if people are adamant about that experience being what they want or if this kind of makes some people that are very anti uh additional elements of a game after you've bought it realize well it's not just bad when you have additional stuff that come out and that refresh your interest in that game um it's good that they're experimenting with this i suppose but i'm a little bit mm, worried not worried because i probably won't care all that much about that game but uh, i'm wary of that idea that it won't get anything else uh, down the line Um, there were a couple of other game announced, uh, Rocket Arena, which it feels like some kind of Overwatch hero shooter with even more cartoony, almost Fortnite-like graphics. Uh, this is a tough competitive space, (laughs) the hero shooter. So good luck to Rocket Arena, but I wouldn't expect it to do something incredible uh there's a new skate game there is a new game by um oh what's his name uh hazelite uh oh my mind is blanking i'm gonna have to click joseph Fares. uh you know the the guy who who did these two-player games um most recently a way out and uh it seems like a weird game uh, that it takes two it's launching next year so if that's your thing it's two-player game and it's got a weird setting go check it out there were reveals of ea sports games but uh the 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 other big thing aside from star wars which was definitely the biggest thing was the announcement that uh, apex legends is coming to switch this fall adding crossplay and electronic arts is finally getting on the switch bandwagon and is developing seven games for the switch so that is exciting because everyone loves their Switch, right? If you don't, I don't know who you are. Um, but there's a number of games that are coming to Switch. Uh, let's see which ones they are. Burnout Paradise Remastered, Remastered uh, FIFA 21, Lost in Random, which is an interesting game, another game that was uh, presented there. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit that is from 2010, that's going to be a remaster, also coming to other platforms, and a plant versus zombies game. So, if I'm being 100% honest, I'm not, it, all of this is not very exciting, uh, except for Apex Legends, which I should play again, actually. Um, but uh, it's, You know, it's good, I think, that EA is expanding to the Switch because they should have done that more a while ago. Um, They didn't show any footage from the Switch version of Apex Legends. That should be noted. (laughs) So, uh, obviously, we're not... Oops, apologies. Um, I'm not... We're not going to that platform for graphical fidelity, uh, but it's funny that they didn't show anything. Um, and yeah, did I mention it's going to have crossplay? So thank God, uh, crossplay is coming to Apex Legends. That's very cool. Um, what else? The PC Gaming Show. Oh. Oof. I don't want to be mean, but I, I know it's a small structure. Uh it's put together by PC Gamer and Shunplot and Sorry, I can't remember the other host's name. Um I it's just not an enjoyable show. There were a couple of games that made me think, oh, that, you know, might be interesting. Ghost Runner is one of them. Uh The Eternal Cyl- Cylinder is one of them. But the show itself is so long and awkward and the jokes just don't work. Like these kinds of things that you would think the first time they did the PC gaming show, what was it like four years ago? It was like, Oh, you know, it's a good try. They they can improve it. Um, At this point, they have to have to improve it. They have to improve it for us to still, um, you know, give them that benefit of the, they can do better. I mean, they can definitely do better, but it's such a weird pace with some presentations. And so here, here's the problem with that show. Every big game goes to another show. If you're big enough, you don't need to go to the PC, PC gaming show. So you have more niche game uh, games that go to the PC gaming show. And some of them are niche, but very cool but they're going to be interesting to a subsection of the PC audience, which is itself a subsection of the gamer audience. And so even if you're interested in many PC games, you might not be interested in half of the games that are presented there. And they show a trailer and a little bit of, of gameplay maybe. And then very often they have the developer coming to explain the systems or the development of the game, that kind of thing. But at that point, if you're not interested in that type of game, you're going to check out on the developer doing a dry monologue about their game systems because that game is not in a genre that interests you to begin with. And since there are so many niche games in that show, because (laughs) the non-niche games go somewhere else, um, half of the show ends up being about something you really don't care about because by nature... um, the niche games are going to be interesting to a subsection of the audience that's watching. So it's just a structural problem with the show that makes it less interesting. And maybe that's fine. Maybe they're happy with that thing talking to a part of their audience for two hours. It was like two hours. It was so long, or at least it felt like two hours if it wasn't that long. So I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm rooting for PC gaming and PC Gamer, the you know publication behind this but it's just it does it's not doing it for me uh same goes to upload vr that up vr showcase by the upload vr website the problem there i think is that vr is stagnant there are some interesting things happening but they're the same interesting things that have been happening for 3 years so by now if you haven't been interested in vr you're not going to be interested in vr and if you haven't then I mean, no, sorry. And if you are interested in VR, you're kind of seeing the same things that you've been seeing for three years. Kind of. So, yeah, I hate to be a downer on this, but these two showcases were not my cup of tea. All right, that's it for presentations. Uh, Let's talk about news. First of all, Microsoft is shutting down Mixer. Which? Oh... My God, like complete friends, jaw drop. Uh, No one saw that coming. If anyone tells you they saw it coming, they're lying. They might have seen it coming, you know, two, three, four years from now, which (laughs) to be fair, Everyone saw that coming. We knew Mixer was not doing well. And even though they got exclusive contracts with big streamers, it wasn't bringing in the viewership that it needs to uh, continue long term. So everyone knew it was likely that they would not uh, see the end of the next generation if that. But I don't think anyone saw Microsoft shutting it down now within... Uh, You know, uh, uh, weeks of the announcement, which, by the way, some employees found out about this on Twitter, which sucks. I understand why, because if you start talking to employees, you uh, start rumors, start flying out, which I guess you can call an all hands meeting in the morning and then reveal the news to the public as it is being told to the employees but uh i guess the timing didn't work out there but anyway um it was the the numbers on mixer if oh well i guess maybe some people don't even know what mixer is it's a twitch competitor essentially um mixer is a streaming website for game gaming and uh microsoft bought it or the tech behind it a couple of years ago they had been uh paying Insane amounts of money to big streamers, most notably Ninja and Shroud, to come stream exclusively on their platform and for them to shut it down now, I think a year after taking on board Ninja, which doesn't need to be reminded, is the biggest streamer in the world um, and sh- six months after taking on shroud the the numbers must have been so bad uh, according to different studies. Game streaming has been growing uh, significantly during the pandemic. Mixer almost didn't grow at all. So I think it's actually, it seems like a smart move by Microsoft, as unexpected as it is, because they must be seeing that, you know what, we're it's not working out. So we're either going to have to invest, whatever, $5 billion in this business and see if it works out in five years. And maybe it won't and probably will have to shut it down in like two, three, four years anyway. Or we clean house, clean up house now. Uh, Let's just forget about it and focus on other things and not have that be a negative story midway through the life cycle of the Xbox Series X. I think that's a pretty smart move. Um, It's just, you know, brutal, but it's pretty smart. And... um, a couple of other things there the 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 exclusive streamers like uh shroud and ninja apparently have <laughs> i think they've made out with the biggest amount of money they they would ever hope to see because the rumors are um uh uh ninja's contract was 30 million dollars which facebook tried to double Uh, for him to go to Facebook. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention uh, Mixer is transferring all the assets, all the uh, accounts over to Facebook in an exclusive deal, which they might integrate Facebook gaming into the um, Xbox system, um, but it's mostly a dump of what they had and a continuation of the contracts of all the streamers they had. And so Ninja... They, Facebook tried to lure Ninja and the, the audience is so different. He was like, no, thank you for the 30 additional million, but I already have 30 and I'm good. Um, and that's the thing, by the way, if you already have 30 million in your pocket, another 30 is not enough for you to sell, you know, to go to a place you don't want to go. And you're, you're fine. You don't need another 30. Maybe if you offer 300 million, that will make you think, okay, I'll, you know, drudge through the next three years or whatever. But thir- another 30, you're not going to make your life not enjoyable when you already have that amount of money. Same with Shroud. Uh, Shroud, who's another big streamer that got caught up uh, by uh, Mixer. He apparently made 10 million on his contract. And he was like, all right, goodbye. Um, not going to Facebook, even though they apparently doubled that offering as well. Now, um, that is the, (laughs) you know, they were supposed to get that amount of money for their, whatever, probably three years contracts on Mixer. And because Mixer shut down, Microsoft had to buy them out. So they made the whole money for only one year for Ninja and, uh, uh, only six months for Shroud, which is crazy. Good on them, I guess. Um, it leaves the question of what are they going to do and what is the streaming market like now. It seems unlikely Ninja is going to go back to Twitch. Their relationship has been extremely strenuous. Um, some really bad thing happened with the uh, Ninja account when he left. I mean, it's still business, so it, it would be possible for Ninja to go back to uh, Twitch, if they were like, okay, we're sorry, we're gonna give you that much money and come back to the place, come back home. Um, it seems more likely that YouTube Gaming is gonna tell uh, Ninja, we will give you a lot of money for you to come to us, uh, because YouTube is in a better position for many different reasons. Uh, Shroud, it seems like he's gonna go back to Twitch and he's gonna be bigger than he was when he left, because. There's no such thing as bad publicity. Uh, and in this case, it's not even bad. It's just noise around his name. Um, and and the, what's the landscape of uh, game streaming now? Well, uh, obviously, it's not great to have one less competitor and Mixer. Maybe it was too splintered. But uh, we, we still have pretty good competition. Um, Twitch is still obviously the, the biggest dog by a long shot. But uh, we also have... Facebook Gaming, which I've been getting feedback from different people who are telling me it's not, you know, the audience might be different, but the engagement is cool and, and people are getting, uh, are ve- the, the ones who are using it as streamers are very happy with it, so good on them, um, and they have the built-in audience, which is huge. YouTube Gaming has a huge gaming audience, obviously, and the uh, YouTube Gaming aspect, you know, the gaming videos is huge, so it has that going for it. So it's there as well, even though it's, they're not pushing it as much as before, it seems, um, not as an individual brand. Um, and Mixer had none of that. Mixer. And that's why I think uh, we were expecting it to be a bigger part of the Xbox Series X something, UI, or and that would be its strength. But it seems maybe that wasn't enough to um, keep it alive. And so now we have a three-person race or a three-company race. Facebook, Amazon, and Google or Alphabet, or I guess, actually it is Google, um, which it seems they are everywhere. But uh, Twitch in that context is definitely the biggest one so yeah that's where we are um playstation 5 news just a little bit uh, miles morales spider-man miles, Mor- miles morales is indeed an, a, a single uh, a individual game it's probably not going to be a full length game as we suspected and discussed uh, a couple of times since the ps5 presentation but it's been confirmed that you can buy it standalone That's the word I was looking for. And it seems that there's going to be a remaster or improved version of Spider-Man period that maybe you're going to be able to buy as a bundle on PS5. But uh, yeah, Miles Morales, the confirmation that it's a First Light slash uh, uh, Lost Legacy type experience is there. So uh, the other thing is uh, Horizon Forbidden West is coming out in 2021 which is uh, cool because when we were seeing it, it's definitely the game that looks next-gen and not seeing a date was leading me to believe that maybe it's not kind of far off, but uh, it's been confirmed, or at least at this stage, it might get delayed, of course, but they're aiming for 2021, which is cool. A couple of other tidbits. Uh, AT&T wants to sell off Warner Brothers Interactive, which... There are a number of companies that are interested, but this is a really interesting um, company to be spun off. It could be a great get for a company like Activision. I'm guessing the contracts and gaming IPs come with the company. Otherwise, there's no point. So Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment would retain the rights to make uh, IPs based on Warner properties, which are numerous and include of course DC but not just DC so um, that would be a pretty cool get for a number of different big companies out there I think EA take two Activision uh, Activision in particular because they don't have a lot of um, a lot of uh, IPs going right now Uh, it's Call of Duty and the Blizzard games but uh, it might also be a little bit too much to take on so who knows Um, the Steam's summer, the Steam summer sales started. So if there are games that you want, it's that time again where you can buy them for cheap and, uh, never play them and let them be forgotten in your, uh, list of shame, (laughs) in your backlog. Uh, all right. So I do want to talk about The Last of Us Part 2, but before that, just a quick word about the wave of, um sexual harassment stories that have come out in the video game industry in the past week or two. You know, I, I, I don't have a lot to contribute. I think I tweeted that a couple of days ago. I don't have a lot to contribute to this, but the one thing that, that strikes me is how incredible it is that these things are still happening. And how incredible it is that the people doing these things are able to do them. And I had a lot of back and forth on Twitter on this point, but I think it's worth noting that these things can't happen without the environment that enables them. And to an extent, I think we're all responsible as a group. I'm not saying every single person is enabling this, but as a group, I think we're all responsible for creating that environment that makes it possible, um, and as I was having a back and forth on Twitter with a, a specific person, um, I, I explained this a little bit more. But it's and we ended up being in agreement. It's things like you know a small sexist joke is not cool, and maybe we don't say that enough to the coworker that makes that joke. Or that makes that sexist remark about another coworker. Or maybe we don't, you know, we laugh off someone putting a hand on a shoulder that shouldn't be on that shoulder, and the person going shrugging it off, and us not supporting that shrug off and just laughing it about it. It's it's not, you know, I'm not saying you should light that person on fire that is doing these things but at that level the the least we could do i think is saying hey that's not cool and and noticing it and and mentioning it and of course this is a tiny thing um compared to all the horrible stories we've been hearing about in the past few days but i wonder if it doesn't the small things turn into big things right it it makes everything else more acceptable and so it leads to down the line something else um And I keep, I I use that example very often, so maybe you've heard me uh, talk about it, but the the use of gay as a slur, as an insult, um, but a a mild, you know, inconsequential insult in the 2000s, in the gaming industry in particular, you would go on chat and you would hear, oh, that's gay, all the time. (coughs) Sorry, Um, I'm going to drink a little bit because I've been talking a lot. So at some point, the, the, the gaming community sto- sort of collectively agreed that that wasn't cool. And I think people started saying, mentioning that it wasn't cool when some people would say it. And that word kind of disappeared in that use. Um, and that's a much smaller, less impactful thing. But I think it's still significant that I wonder if... This isn't also part of what's happening in, you know, it's the gaming industry, but not just the gaming industry. Obviously, this is kind of a, but it's kind of a second or third Me Too movement in the gaming industry. And what strikes me is how this is still happening when we have been talking about it for a while, for a long time. And I think that the only explanation I can find is we're making it Possible. You know, the boys club, the um, uh, laughing off of the n- inappropriate jokes or behaviors. Um, so I guess I'm not, you know, I'm not going to talk too much. It's much more important, as we said on the instance, that you go and listen to the voices of the people who are talking about this from experience. So go do that. Certainly there's no shortage of description of all of those things. But just something to think about next time someone is making a joke like this or, uh, you know, commenting on someone's appearance or putting a hand where it shouldn't be, even if it's quote-unquote harmless. Let's just, you know, be better citizens, all of us. And maybe it will help a little bit. Um, there are consequences, of course, of all of this in the gaming industry. One of the most positive ones is Twitch is starting to uh, be more forceful in their enforcing of their policies, which Twitch has been uh, a little bit lax on, I think, because it's a lot of chat, and chat is what it is, and I don't think it can be entirely fixed, but we can try. Um so yeah, there, there are a lot of things to say about this. There's even some discussions about uh, presumption of innocence uh, and, you know, things like that. But I don't think now is the time to have those conversations. It's much more important to listen to the real things that are happening and to understand them and to integrate them into our psyche. And, and, and you know, then we can add some nuance um at some point but the urgency the emergency now the urgency is elsewhere so all right so if you don't want to hear about anything about the last of us part two uh i would urge you to stop listening now in i'm not going to talk about any spoilers like certainly i'm going to avoid like 120 percent no spoilers but if you really want to be completely fresh about this game, this is just going to be talking about maybe a little bit of the type of gameplay and my my general impressions on the game. So you should be completely safe for... Uh... Oh, sorry, I need to mention something to someone on chat. Um, there we go that works um yeah so i'm not going to be any um i'm not going to do anything that say anything that is in any way spoilerish so just feel safe to listen to it if you don't want to know but i know that some people me for example i did not want to hear anything about anything about anything about the game before i had gone to the end so i avoided Uh, any mention of the game uh, for a few weeks. (laughs) Um, And if you're like that, then maybe don't listen. But it should be mostly safe. So, a little bit of context. As you might know, The Last of Us 1 is possibly my favorite game of all time. It is not a perfect game. It has actually a lot of flaws. Um oh yeah and by the way if you haven't played The Last of Us 1 then definitely don't listen to this because I'm a, I'm going to spoil that the first game I'm going to spoil but not the second one um so it has a lot of flaws and I think the gameplay is okay it's fun but not incredible and the traversal is subpar but the story of course is one of the greatest stories ever told regardless of the medium, definitely in video game. Uh, for me, it's the greatest story ever told in a video game medium format, but, um, possibly in any medium. So that is where I'm coming from. I had high hopes for the last of us part two. Let me, uh, find a tweet that I did summarizing my feelings about it. Um, again, in a non-spoilering way. So I think the, the ba- main thing is that I don't know how I feel about the game. I finished it yesterday, um, and this is what I said on Twitter. Is it an incredible game? Yes. It is an incredible game. Is it as good as the first one? I don't think so. I think it's very good. You know, the first one was, if there's ever a 10 out of 10 in my book, that the first one was it. This one would be, I don't know, you know, an eight or a nine. Either way, it is really good, really good. Uh, but I don't think it's as good as the first one. It's technically incredible. Um, the, the visuals are mind-blowing many, many you know you're constantly amazed at what you're seeing um is it powerful yes it is an extremely powerful game um it it engages you it provokes you it challenges you it it makes you very uncomfortable it's not a game that it's a game that many people can't play. And I wouldn't fault anyone for saying this is not for me. It is violent. Um, it is violent in more ways than one. Not just the physical violence, but the psychological violence is, is hard to bear. Um, the, the, I'll say a quick word about the gameplay. If you didn't like, I, I think I expected more. If you didn't like the gameplay for the first one, it's essentially the same. There is very little difference. Some, you know, minor uh, differences in the way you approach combat, but mostly it's the same gameplay as in the first game. There's very little traversal or puzzles, so it's mostly the gameplay, and it is um, it, it can get monotonous for some people. I always had fun with it, um, with the with the gameplay, with the combat, but it is not significantly different from the one in the first game. So that's important to note. And the big question is, is the game enjoyable, the game as a whole? And I don't know how to answer that question. Um, I played through the whole game and I played within a week, uh, partly because I wanted to, to play through the whole thing to avoid spoilers, but also because I, I didn't want to stop, because I wanted to see what was happening. And I I I guess I an, I'm answering the question. I enjoyed playing it. I wanted... It's not that I enjoyed playing it. It's that I wanted to play it. I wanted to keep playing it. Does that make it enjoyable? I, I don't think I can say I enjoyed it, um, thinking about it. I lived through what the game wanted me to live through. And I didn't want to stop that... Ride. I didn't want to stop that experience, but I don't think I can say I, I enjoyed it um, in the fun sense of the word. I think it's it's an incredible, unique cultural experience. It's it's something that only a video game can take you through, and you, you live through that story much more than you would in any other um, medium. And you live through it with a strength that is impossible to reproduce in another medium because obviously you're not taking part in the action that's happening on screen in other media. Um, and I, I'm, as I said on Twitter, I think I'm going to be examining my feelings about the game and the story for a long time. I'm going to think about what it says, what we did for a long time, which in itself, is um, significant. The fact that a game can impact you in that way means that it has some form of cultural value. Um, So that is, I think, an important takeaway from the game. Um, I think it's worth playing if you, you can bear the... The difficulty of playing through the game, um, I think it is worth playing through. I think it's an interesting experience. And I will add, um, again, without going into spoilers, I will add that I kind of emerged of a Last of Us Part Two cave because I had been so careful about not seeing anything about the game for weeks now. I hadn't seen anything about the leaks or anything. And And what I'm hearing about gamers complaining about the game is mind-boggling to me, because it is people completely misunderstanding not only this game, but also the first one. Um, There's, again, going back to the first one, there is a, you know, in that, You know what? I'm not even going to talk about it. I will do a spoiler-full version of the game, of the review, maybe next week, maybe in a couple of weeks, but uh, I'll talk about all of this. But hopefully that gives you a little bit of an impression of where I stand on the game. And I think it's difficult to discuss without going into um, spoiler territory and talking about the story. So I won't do that, but... Certainly, it's an experience that doesn't leave you un, untouched. Um, so, and I, yeah, I, I'm thinking about it and still don't know if I, if I liked it. <laughs> I liked it, but I don't know if I liked it. Uh, I mean, definitely didn't like it. Does that make sense? No, it doesn't. We'll talk about it in the spoiler-full uh, version. I'll do a special where uh, I guess I'll talk a little bit more um, about spoiler-free, but mostly spoiler-full. So expect that to happen at some point in the future. All right, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I hope you enjoyed my banter. If you did, uh, feel free to follow me on uh, Twitter or Instagram. For example, I'm not Patrick on both of those platforms. Um, we can talk about a bunch of stuff over over there. And uh, you can comment on frenchspin.com if you want to comment on something that I said here. Uh, of course, please be mindful and respectful. No spoilers of anything. I will delete those comments if I see them. Um, and uh, that's it. We'll be back in a couple of weeks for another episode. Talk to you then. Bye.